Hello, this is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. I have the incredible job of interviewing geniuses from around the world about the trends shaping the way we live and work. This is the final episode of our 2022 Futurist Friday series, and we're ending it with a fascinating discussion with our guest, Daniel Saison. He is a technology industry veteran who writes about the future with a focus on virtual reality and the metaverse. In our conversation, Daniel talks about why he is closely following the trend of political polarization in the US and Europe, and he talks about some of the technology trends he's interested in, including virtual reality, the metaverse, cryptocurrency and blockchain, AI and robotics, and even space colonization. The 12 Geniuses Futures Friday episodes are brought to you exclusively by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is a B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. Reach out at thestarconspiracy.com for more information or to schedule a chat with the team. Daniel, welcome to 12 Geniuses. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Your background is a little different than most of the futurists who have joined the show for this Futurist Friday series. Can you just give us 30 seconds to a minute of your background and where your interests lie? So I actually studied international business and then stumbled into the technology industry, kind of a happy accident. And I started my career in the tech industry and kind of have stayed in it ever since. I spent the bulk of it in San Francisco working for tech startups. I've held a wide variety of roles within the technology industry from marketing and sales to product roles. I've been a developer on the side, more a hobbyist developer all along. I taught myself how to code a long time ago. And a couple of years ago, I just really got into virtual reality and kind of became obsessed with VR and the premise of the metaverse. I'd read Snow Crash a long, long, long time ago. So I was ahead of the game as far as understanding what the metaverse is and would become. Somewhere along the way, I started a newsletter and blog and have been working with a variety of clients in and around future technologies and things like that. So what's on your read list or your watch list or what are you listening to that you would recommend for people who want to be more forward thinking leaders? First one is Balaji. I cannot for the life of me pronounce his last name, but it starts with an S. And he has a couple of really great podcasts with people like Tim Ferriss that you can listen to that are amazing. And I really think Balaji is one of the few people that is really thinking about crypto in a different way. He's not really caught up in the fad of crypto. He's really thinking about the structural shifts to the world that crypto will bring. And he wrote a new book on the network state. And so there's always Packy McCormick. I'm sure he's come up a few times, but I enjoy reading some of his newsletters. I don't read every issue. But I like when he does a deep dive into a new technology. A weekly newsletter that I read on the regular is Benedict Evans. I think he's fantastic. And he does a really good newsletter that allows you to just kind of keep up on things. And he's a little more business focused. So he can get kind of dive into some of the details of, you know, Apple's strategy as they're moving forward and dealing with, you know, lawsuits in Europe and things like that. Another forward thinker that I find really fascinating that also does a lot of historical deep dives, it's kind of um, a really interesting thinker, is Thomas Pueyo. He actually launched to internet fame, if you will, when he wrote a couple of pieces on COVID at the very beginning of the pandemic and was kind of prophetic 
around COVID. He's just a deep, deep thinker who's clearly looking to the future through a historical lens. And so he often has a fresh perspective. I am quite surprised, and you probably are as well, at what people will believe that might seem fanciful. And, and so one of the questions I have for you as you're conducting your research is, how do you vet your sources to make sure that what you are reading is actually true and is not fake news or something that's been made up by somebody else? I do a couple things here. One is I basically discount anything that I've read only once. And number two is that I do my level best to click through to the actual source. I basically never believe what journalists are saying about a study. I will always click through to the study and read the study. And then for things that are not quite so sensational, I often will at least try to go through to the source of the company itself. So in the kind of futurist circles, it was a really big deal when the small modular nuclear reactor was granted a kind of permit here in the United States. I kind of dug through, read a couple of different sources, and then also continued through to their website and read through their, all, all their information there. What's a social trend you're following now that is fascinating to you? And by social trend, I don't mean necessarily social media, but something like aging or addiction or mental health or something like that. It's not something I, I really write a lot about or talk too much about, but something I'm very fascinated with right now is the social trend, at least here in the United States, but it's definitely happening across uh, Europe and probably across the world. But looking at political polarization and kind of the rise of political activists on both sides. So you see the rise of kind of woke ideology on the left, the rise of Christian nationalism on the right, and uh, political polarization as a whole. And looking at this trend across time, I think there was a, a recent study, which again, take this one with a tablespoon of salt, um, but there was a recent study that said that at this point in time, um, no one will date somebody that votes for the opposite party. Whereas back in the you know 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even people would happily marry somebody that you know a Democrat would marry a Republican and vice versa. And now that trend has been completely eliminated as political ideologies are becoming more a more defining part of people's identity. And so I I, I watch that trend um, because it's fascinating, and I think it's been exacerbated by technology. And I don't. I don't necessarily look at this as a good or a bad thing. I think it just is what it is. And it's interesting to see how it's happening and the ramifications of what might happen if that continues. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading Ray Dalio's, one of Ray Dalio's recent books, The Changing World Order. And he talks about how wealth inequality and values inequality are two signals for a dying empire. And so, and so we need to bridge this gap if the United States is going to continue to flourish. And interesting to me, as you're, you're describing this, is that you're finding it in other countries as well. And that, I, that I've not explored as much, but where are some of those countries that you've identified? Right off the top of my head, France, with Marine Le Pen kind of leading the far right movement there. And then you kind of see a handful of the countries in Europe, kind that are even with Hungary, uh, which is even within the European Union, that is, you know, kind of distancing themselves from European Union values. Of course, there was the Brexit movement in the UK, which may not have been the, the smartest choice for them, but it is what it is now. Um, and that was led by particularly the conservatives there. And so it's, it's interesting to see this kind of happening, at least within Europe, uh, for sure. 
And maybe you could identify Turkey in there and possibly the Philippines. Certainly they have elected, you know, very polarizing leaders, you know, dictator type leaning leaders as well. What's a technology trend that you're following and finding fascinating? I'm, I'm assuming you're going to talk about the metaverse um, and I definitely want you to talk about the metaverse, but if you have another one as well, please let us know. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about all of the technology and trends that are most likely to impact our lives in the next 10, 20 years. And in that pretty broad bucket is of course, VR and the metaverse. And we can get into that in a second. And crypto, of course, and the blockchain, though, I'm, I, I think of myself as being a, I'm very bullish on crypto and the blockchain in the long run. I think probably 99% of the projects that exist today are, are going to fail or are BS. <laughs> it doesn't mean that the underlying concepts and technology are not going to be world changing. That final 1% will probably fundamentally alter society as we know it in the coming decades. Um, and then the the last couple pieces of, of the puzzle here is, is AI, of course. Uh, I don't think enough people are paying attention to artificial intelligence and robotics. Uh, a lot of implications, both positive and negative there over the course of time. Um, and then it's a, it's, a, it's a much longer shot, but space travel and uh and whatnot is would absolutely change everything if we started legitimately colonizing the moon and mars it will change everything yeah yeah so one of my recent guests is a guy by the name of glenn heemstra he's a futurist he's been a futurist for about 40 years and we did talk about in his episode, we talked about space and space travel. And he was suggesting that one person he's talked with at NASA said that the, the space economy can um, eclipse the Earth economy in 100 years or something like that. And that's just mind blowing to even even consider that. And another guest I had on is Master Gunnery Sergeant Scott Stalker. He is command senior enlisted leader of U.S. Space Command, and he was talking about how once we get to Mars, it's it's not too far-fetched that we would continue to build space stations to go to other planets as well. And, you know, my mind was not there until talking with these folks, and they looked at me with straight faces across the table. It's like, yeah, this is, this is where we're going. I'm like, okay, I need to pay much more attention to this. It gets a lot more interesting than that, actually. We don't have to go too far down this rabbit hole, but uh, if you just think about it, once you put a colony on Mars and kids start being born on Mars, how many generations before they consider themselves Martians and not Earth humans? At what point are they saying, I don't want to send resources back to Earth. I don't care about Earth. I have no interest in saving Earth. Uh, you know, at what point? So, you know, you're, you know, you've seen it countless times. We saw, I mean, in the age of exploration, once we launched boats from Europe all over the quote unquote, you know, undiscovered world and colonized the planet, uh, it only takes a couple generations before British colonists, you know, launched a revolution and became Americans. You're going to see the exact same thing happen on Mars. You give it a couple generations, and they're gonna they're gonna declare their own independence, and Mars and Mars will be an independent sovereign entity. Tell me about the metaverse. The reality is, like the metaverse that most people are envisioning in their mind, at least those of us that are really deep into this, are 
it, it's not here yet. It doesn't exist at this present moment. There are signals. There are steps in the right direction. There are, you know, essentially proto metaverses or metaverse like experiences. Virtual reality consistently is getting better and better and better. And it, there's just really fun and exciting things that you can do. Um, and for me, I, I think it's just the next continuation of both computing and the internet. And if you think about where the internet was in the late 90s, and you think about where the internet is today and how pervasive it is in our lives, um, the metaverse will be like that in the coming decades. And people say, oh, I'm not going to strap a, a virtual reality headset on my face and be in there for eight hours a day. Well, of course not. Like, I wouldn't either. I'm in this now. And I think I can only handle about an hour max with the headset on my face. But it, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, something that is a, a much lighter weight headset. We're talking about it not always being VR or AR. It could very well just be, you know, spatial websites. Um, and it won't always even be spatial. It's really just going to be the next logical evolution of the internet. I mean, think about this right now. We're both in two completely different places. We're having this conversation now, and we're doing it through the internet, through computers. And that wasn't possible, you know, decades ago. And in the next iteration of it, we will have devices that will make it easier for us to be even closer or feel more in contact or like we're actually in the same room. And it'll just be a logical evolution. No one's going to dive into the metaverse or strap the metaverse onto their face eight hours a day. By the time it actually comes here, we probably won't even call it the metaverse. How do you see the metaverse serving humanity? I think it's the same way that the internet is serving humanity now. It just becomes a ubiquitous part of how you live, work, and play. And most of us wake up, and the first thing we do is we reach for our phone, and we look at alerts and notifications that happened overnight. And then we log on to work, and we work on the computer every day, all day. And then when we're done, after we put the kids to bed, we plop on the couch and we watch Netflix served up to us courtesy of the internet. And we're already doing it now. We're already living a life where technology, computers, and the internet are central to our entire life. The metaverse is just the next iteration of that, where instead of endless Zoom meetings, it's easier for you to collaborate with your coworkers in a shared space and where you know you may very well flop on the couch and watch netflix but maybe you're doing it with ar glasses instead so that you have a 75 inch tv screen that doesn't actually exist it's not actually in your house it's just in your glasses what are some of the top risks that you see it's similar to what we have now i think that that a lot of us feel you know it's it's stressful you're working on screens every day all day long um, you're kind of, you, you can't ever really put it down. Uh, I get more excited about virtual reality than I do about augmented reality because, uh, with VR, you, you deliberately immerse yourself in a technology for a shorter period of time. Whereas if you think about the way that we consume technology today, it's, it's, it's very 
mindless and all-encompassing. Our phone is in our pocket. We scroll it. People can't even sit on the toilet without their phone. AR freaks me out a little bit because, you know, it's essentially the equivalent of, of connecting our phones to our eyeglasses. And, you know, like right now people can't even have dinner with their their spouse without scrolling their phone. You know, what, what happens when you don't even have to pick up your phone? She doesn't even know that you're looking at it. It's just <laughs> your Twitter feed is going by in the peripheral vision of your left eye in your glasses, right? And so... I, I get a little I get a little nervous about it, but I also think that there's so much potential for us to more deeply and richly engage with technology. And so my 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 hope and dream is that people cultivate a not just a better work life balance, but a better uh, digital real life balance, where you more deeply engage with digital technology and then completely disengage. My favorite thing to do is go sailing. There's no engine. It's just the waves and the wind, and I don't have my phone out, and I, it's just me and the waves and the wind, and it's a complete disconnection from technology, and it's wonderful. And so uh, I'm all for a more extreme use and disengagement from technology. Well, I'm going to point out something that you're probably thinking about based on the social trend you mentioned, and that is that there's a potential risk that AR and potentially the metaverse will further divide us. And I've been thinking about this for quite a while now is that if everything is to your preference and you're always spending time with people who have the same beliefs as you, then our tolerance, our, our ability to tolerate dissent or other ideas drops off. And I see augmented reality as being one of those things that feeds us our preferences and the metaverse as being one of those things where we always connect with communities that are like-minded. And so that that's one of the concerns that I have. And I wonder if you are thinking about that as well. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think from today's paradigm uh, and from today's you know mental models, it's, it's scary, right? Um, but there's a certain amount of I personally feel there's a certain amount of inevitability to it. Um, humans are inherently tribal creatures, and uh, it's possible that we cannot evolve past that. And so there, there is a distinct possibility, and this goes back to kind of the, the, the woke versus conservative and political polarization topic, but uh, there's a distinct possibility that society fractures over time and uh, and we see basically a a lot more smaller countries. So instead of a hundred and so many, how, we have slightly less than two hundred countries today in on planet Earth. There might be a thousand countries on planet Earth in in the nearish future, and they may be more aligned along um, ideology. And that wouldn't be that surprising to me at all. And it and it it sounds horrendous from today's mental perspective, but uh, potentially there's a certain amount of inevitability to it. And after a period of chaos, it may end up being a more natural human existence for us in the future. I mean, we've only been acting like we have now with large nations of diverse people um, for a few hundred years, really. Let's end on this. Daniel, what's filling you with a sense of optimism? 
I'm long-term optimistic, even even with the topic of the fracturization of <laughs> political society. I'm still long-term optimistic. I, I, and I think that in the slightly more short-term, though, the things that really make me uh, optimistic is actually the, the, the rise of the creator class right now is, is really exciting. So uh, whether that's uh, artists and writers, um, the you know, in VR and the metaverse, there's a lot of creators that are up and coming. Um, and, and this really excites me. And then I've got, I mean, a couple other off the top of my head is, is there's actually these, these new trends popping up that are particularly popular with millennials and Gen Z, like anti-work and anti-capitalism. And I think a lot more people are putting more focus on work-life balance and spending time with their children. And, uh, you know, the whole premise of technology going back a hundred plus years was that we would all work less, that we would end up working less time and that, you know, the, the, the machines would do a lot of the work for us. That hasn't really panned out in the last hundred years or so, but we may be on the verge of a new revolution brought about by AI and robotics that unlocks more leisure. I mean, I sure hope so. Um, and so I, I get kind of excited about the idea that potentially our our relationship to work may shift that the machines will do a lot more of the heavy lifting and and potentially humanity unlocks a new creative era where we all get to you know continue being artists every every young child if you have small children they're all artists and then we just stop and we become business people and project managers and sales people along the way but but it would be really nice if we could all continue to be artists that sounds a whole lot more fulfilling than <laughs> working on an assembly line or driving a truck for eight hours a day. Exactly. Daniel, this has been a fabulous conversation. Thank you for your time and thank you for being a genius. Thank you for listening to 12 Geniuses. This is the final episode of the Futurist Friday series. Starting in September, we'll be back with a new season focused on the topic of leadership. Thank you again to the Star Conspiracy for sponsoring this summertime series. You can find all 12 released Futures Friday episodes on the 12 Geniuses website. Thank you to Richard, Jonathan, Jay, Tony, and the rest of our team at GL Pro in London for producing this show. To subscribe to 12 Geniuses, please go to 12geniuses.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a genius.